0: Good morning. Good morning, it's great to see you all here this morning and maybe you're here for the very first time today. So welcome to Connect Church in our new home. We are thrilled that you've come to join us this morning. My name's Dave, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, as Chris was saying earlier, we uh, we love uh, that God has put us in this community. We love serving our community. We love that we're gonna be a part of the homecoming parade uh, this Friday, it's an exciting week for Washington as so we come up to homecoming weekends, And um, uh, you may have seen we were asked by the uh, the. Arts Club, if they could come and decorate the front of our building. And we said, absolutely, we'd love it. So if you came in this morning and saw that and you're from Morton, uh, sorry about that. I know this will be the last time you ever come to connect, but thanks for being with us today. And uh, <laughs> just kidding. We love that you're here, just not this week. So... Um... <laughs> I'm kidding. We, we love Jesus and we love you. So um, we're, we're, we're actually kicking off a brand new series this morning. So it's a great Sunday to come. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of following. And... Uh before I get into it, I want to kind of set up for you what the idea is behind this this series, why we're teaching on this particular subject. So I wonder if you've ever seen, uh, they they put these on Facebook sometimes, they're these memes, these pictures of, um, uh, here's what my mum thinks I do, here's what my friends think I do, here's what I really do. Have you ever seen something like that? If you haven't, I'll I'll give you an example. You can see them for uh, teachers have one, mothers have one. Uh, I found one for police officers this week, and we have several law enforcement Uh, people here at Connect, so I apologize in advance, but this is the one I found for police officers. Uh, This is what my friends think I do as a police officer. (laughs) This is what kids think I do. This is what adults think I do. This is what I think I do. (laughs) This is what I really do. So, if you're a police officer, maybe you can relate uh, to some of these pictures here of what it means like, what it's like to be a police officer. So, uh, just to make sure that if you are in law enforcement here this morning, that I don't offend you completely, I thought I would do one for me, okay, as the pastor of Connect, as a pastor, okay? So, as a pastor, this is what my friends think I do, this is what my mum thinks I do. This is what people outside of the church assume that I do. (laughs) This is what I like to think that I do. This is what I really do. Spend most of my week (laughs) just looking for funny videos. (laughs) So I do a little bit more than that. But uh, the reason I wanted to kind of set this up with... Because isn't it funny how you can think of the word pastor... And have these different ideas of what that looks like, or police officer, or teacher, or mom. Um, Six years ago, uh, Casey and I and some friends, we felt that God was leading us to start a new church here in Washington. And there were some great churches in Washington, but we had some friends that weren't Christians, that didn't grow up going to church. And we really wanted to start a church that was um, kind of built with those folks in mind, to reach people who weren't Christians, who didn't grow up going to church. So that was kind of our philosophy. In fact, our, our mission statement is to connect our community to Christ. So from day one, we were very intentional about creating our services and our environment and everything to be very welcoming to people who maybe didn't have a church background. But here's, here's the problem we, we realized we were facing very early on. As we were talking about this idea of God and how much he loves each one of us and wants a relationship with one of us, we would use the word, you know, we would love it if you could get to meet God and experience him and become a Christian yourself. But like that word police officer and pastor, when you say Christian, it can have different meanings to different people based on their own context, based on their own upbringing, based on their own circumstances. So I'll give you some examples. Some people hear the word Christian and they think of a man like this. Maybe if they aren't Christians themselves, when they think of Christian, they think of something like Billy Graham, a very respected, wonderful man of God, a wonderful Christian. But sadly, some people hear the word Christian and they think of a picture maybe more like this: a group of people who, uh, in the name of Christianity, will stand up and and try and make a statement. Other people will hear the word Christian and they may think of a wonderful lady like this, someone who who reached the most vulnerable, the most needy people in the name of Christ. But then yet again, someone could hear the word Christian and think of an image of something like this and look back over history at the conflicts and the wars and the, the damage that's been done under the banner of Christianity. So we realized early on, and and you may think this is just an exercise of semantics, but we were very intentional that we realized that for some people, the word Christian can carry some baggage. It can carry some preconceived ideas, and we didn't want to stop that to stop someone from discovering a relationship with Jesus who loves them so much Because of their own perspective of what a Christian is or what a Christian looks like. So so from early on, we started to use a different phrase here at Connect. Instead of saying Christian, we would refer to ourselves as followers of Jesus. Or a follower of Christ. Or a Christ follower. If you've been here for any length of time, you'll have heard me a lot. I'll talk about uh, myself as a follower of Jesus. How it's my desire that you get to experience Jesus and how much he loves you. And that he wants you to be one of his followers. And I like that phrase, I like that terminology because unlike Christian, it maybe doesn't bring some baggage with it, but it's more of an action word. When I hear Christian, sometimes I think of that as being, well, I'm a Christian because I was born in America, or I'm a Christian because I live in Washington, Illinois, or I'm a Christian because I voted this way, or I go to this church. And these things, they kind of make us feel like, well, that's what makes me a Christian. But when I talk about a follower of Jesus, that's kind of more of an action word. That's not a, a static thing. That's, there's something that's happening there. I like to think of a follower of Jesus as somebody who's constantly on the move and growing and changing and developing and, and following Jesus himself. So we talk a lot about that here at Connect. So I thought, what, what better series to, to kick off here in our new building? We've got a lot of new people who've started attending Connect uh, since we've opened in our new building. Let's start off in our new building with this idea of follow. What does it look like? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because the thing I love about seeing new faces in the foyer on Sunday is I have no idea where you're from or what brought you here. I don't know if you grew up all your life going to church. I don't know if this is the first time you've ever stepped foot into a church. But I know you're here. And you're here for a reason. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you're at that stage of life where your kids are of a certain age and you decide, I think it will be good as a family for our kids to be a part of a church, to learn about the Bible. Maybe your spouse is a follower of Jesus and you're not there yet, but she really wants you to come or he really wants you to come. But for whatever reason, we all find ourselves here on a Sunday morning and I want to help you understand what we at Connect Feel a follower of Jesus looks like. And here's why it's important that we tackle this. So 25 years ago, I moved to America. 25 years ago, 1994, I grew up in England. I wasn't always a follower of Jesus. I didn't grow up following him. I was 18 years old when a friend of mine um, who was a Christian, he started talking to me and sharing his faith with me. and, And I just knew that it was real. I knew this guy, and I could see how Jesus had transformed and changed his life, and I didn't understand everything he was talking about. I didn't even fully understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, but I knew something in him had changed, and I wanted to experience that same change in my life. I made that decision to follow Jesus when I was 18, and for six years, I was a part of a church in England, but England's a very different um, country than America. America. We speak the same language. We obviously speak it correctly. You speak it with a funny accent, but um, but there's a lot of cultural differences. And I encountered a tremendous amount of cultural differences when I arrived in America. There were some things about the church here in America when I arrived that I thought this is fantastic. I wish the church back in England was more like the church in America. This is amazing. The way the church does this, the way followers of Jesus behave in this area, This, we could learn so much. But there was also some things that I encountered when I first came to America in the mid-90s in the church that kind of made me think, oh, man, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're, 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 you're slightly off here. I'll give you an example. I... Um, I was 24 at the time, and we were working uh, with a church. I'd come over here for a short time. I was on a missions program, and we were working with this church, and the goal was to return home, but we got to stay a bit longer than was originally planned, and then a bit longer, and then I met a young lady from Washington called Casey, and that was a very good reason to stay a lot longer. So... um But when I was first here, we were working with this church and we were doing ministry and helping with the youth group and the kids' programs and all sorts of different things. And then one day they said, hey, we want you as a team to come in tomorrow morning. We've got some work to do around the church. There's a room needs painting, some closets need cleaning out. So wear your work clothes tomorrow. Wear your old work clothes tomorrow and come in ready to work. So I did. I got up that morning, I put an old pair of shirts on. uh, A pair of shirts that I wore on my... A pair of shorts. That's what we call them. I put an old pair of shorts on, and I put one of my favorite old t-shirts on, uh, and it had a big picture on the front of Bart Simpson. I loved my Bart Simpson shirt. So I wore that to church that morning, and as I came in, there was an older lady who worked at the church, and she stopped me as I came in. She goes, what are you wearing? And I said, it's okay, it's okay, it's a work day. They said we could wear older clothes today because we're doing some painting. She goes, no, I'm not talking about wearing old clothes, I'm talking about that shirt, like, you mean Bart Simpson? <laughs> she said to me, No self respecting Christian will be seen dead wearing that shirt. Oh. Yes. That's the exact phrase she used 25 years ago. I can still remember it. So you can tell it had no lasting damage on me. But uh, no self respecting Christian would be seen dead wearing that shirt. That was what she told me. I was like, Sorry. <laughs> You've obviously never seen The Simpsons because it's pretty funny. But. Um, <laughs> I encountered this kind of religious spirit. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're kind of chuckling along, but you can remember a stage in your life, maybe a church you were a part of, maybe a person who was a, a Christian who, who kind of looked at you or said something to you that you just kind of felt that same way. And we're going to discover this morning what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. But I wish there was a way that somehow I could just press the reset button, just erase all your memories, all your experiences. Because what's going to be hard as we go through this series called Follow is learning about Jesus and what it looks like to follow him and maybe undoing some of those things that we've grown up in. Maybe undoing some of those things that we've experienced in, in church and, and through the, the lens of religion. For some of you who are already followers of Jesus, I think it'll be great because I think it'll help your faith be strengthened. But if you're here this morning and and you're still kind of searching, you're not really sure what you believe, and one of those things that's prevented you from moving further in your journey is because you've experienced something like that, then I'm sorry that happened. Because what we're going to learn this morning is when it came to Jesus, it was far less about a religion and far more about a relationship. That phrase that lady said to me, that was a very kind of religious response. But when I read about Jesus, it was far more relational what he talked about and what he modeled. Let me give you some examples. Jesus would talk a lot about a father and a son. He said, my reason to come here to earth is that so you may see the father in me. I don't know what your experience is of fatherhood. Maybe you had a fantastic father. Maybe he wasn't a great father. But but God, it was a perfect father. Jesus, I want to tell you about the most perfect father you can imagine. And I'm here to illustrate the relationship that this father wants with all of his children. That you as his children, he, he wants a relationship with you. And that's why I'm here to model that relationship. To show you in the flesh How much Father God loves you this morning. He talks sometimes about a vine and branches. We kind of, it's hard for us to fully understand that because we didn't live in a Middle Eastern culture where there were grapes growing and vines everywhere, and they would have seen these everywhere. So they would have understood the concept of of these vines and these branches that came off of the vines, and, and on the branches were the fruit. And Jesus would say, I am the vine and you are the branch. And the picture there is of a relationship because if you understand agriculture, you know that the the vine doesn't have a list of rules for the branch to follow and say, well, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. It just doesn't. The branch receives all that it needs to be able to produce good fruit because it's attached to the vine. The stronger the vine, the stronger the branch He talked about shepherds and sheep. Again, very cultural to that New Testament day, but again, very relational. Because his audience would have understood that when he's talking about shepherds and sheep, this wasn't a profession, this wasn't a career. This was a relationship. These shepherds, the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd could lead lead the sheep to healthy places. The shepherd could protect the sheep from dangerous places simply by the sound of his voice. The shepherd would speak. The sheep would recognize the, the voice of the shepherd and they would follow. That sounds very relational to me the vine and the branches, the father and son, they sound like very relational things. And this was what Jesus was trying to get across is, I'm not here to bring you a a list of, of rules and regulations. I'm here to talk about a relationship. And I think still today, he's looking for that relationship. He's looking for people that would just follow him in a very relational sense. Do you know what's funny is As Jesus asked many people to follow him. What was hard for those in that day to understand is who he asked to follow him. There were some people that Jesus uh, made that invitation to that no one ever would have imagined. We're actually going to look at one of those guys this morning. His name is Matthew. And we're going to read about his story and one of the accounts that was written um, of the life of Jesus by an author named Matthew. That's a coincidence, right? Well, not so much. Because we're going to learn about this guy, Matthew, from Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew. Do you know who Matthew's talking about here? Himself. He's writing this account of the life of Jesus, and he's saying, hey, I remember it like it was yesterday. Jesus was walking along, and he saw this man named Matthew, he saw me, listen to what it says, it says, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth, so I did some studying of this verse this week, because that's what pastors do, you know, we study the Bible, we get deep, we don't just Google videos or play golf, you know, we we study the Bible, we go deep, And, and I wanted to understand why is it that Matthew was sat at the tax collector's booth, do you know what I discovered? It's because he was a tax collector. Yeah, you're welcome. See, you don't need to do all the deep studying. I'm going to do it for you, okay? So the reason Matthew was sat at the tax collector's booth is because Matthew was a tax collector. Now, it's really important this morning that you understand that Matthew was a tax collector because do you know what? In Jesus' days, tax collectors were the worst of the worst. They were despised. Nobody liked tax collectors. I was trying to think of a a modern day equivalent, you know, to help you understand just how despised tax collectors were. And I thought, you know, what would be something comparable today? And I thought maybe this guy here. You ever come across that guy? Oh, man, come on. Pick a space, one or the other. Maybe this person, have you ever sat next to this person in public on a plane or a train and they're just loud talking on their phone or they got one of those headsets and they talk? You wanna talk about despised? How about this for an example? Very relevant right now, okay? These are two lanes that are merging into one because of construction. So we use what's called the zipper, okay? Some of you who live here in Washington and drive here from Peoria, you understand that this is going on right now. This is the guy who about half a mile back blocks both lanes, so you can't merge. Maybe you've been that person. I'm kind of kidding here, but, but the, the tax collector Matthew, in that culture, he was despised. Here's why, you see, the, the Jewish people, they lived under Roman occupation the Romans were in charge, and, and they, they taxed the people like nothing else. If you lived in Jerusalem that time, there were so many taxes. There were income taxes, food taxes, wine taxes, road taxes. If you lived by the water, there was a harbour tax. Now, I know for us today, living in Illinois, it's hard to understand what it must mean like to have loads of taxes. But, um, but there were lots, and people didn't like them. But you know what they liked less than taxes? Tax collectors. Because tax collectors were their fellow countrymen, their fellow Jews, who were employed by the Romans to to receive these taxes. And they were cheats. They were skimming off the top. They were getting wealthy as a result of it. And they could because they had the might of the Romans behind them, so no one could stop them. So tax collectors were despised. They were the outcasts of society. And listen to what happens. You've got this guy, Matthew. Nobody likes him. And verse 9 says that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. He said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Despised, lowest of the low, tax collector. And what does Jesus say? Follow me and be my disciple. You know what he should have said? Look at you. I hope you're proud of yourself. I wonder what your mother thinks of you right now. Maybe what he should have said was, no self-respecting Jew would be seen dead, sat at a tax collector's table. I think that's what he should have said as the good religious person that he was. I think that's probably what Matthew was expecting him to say. Because I think that's probably what Matthew heard on a regular basis. But here comes Jesus The Son of God says, hey, Matthew, follow me and be my disciple. Now, he wasn't just saying, hey, Matthew, I'm heading down to the water over there. Why don't you follow me for a bit? We'll we'll chat. Or, hey, Matthew, I'm I'm heading down to grab some lunch. Follow me. Have lunch with me. Now, when Jesus said, follow me, this is very significant. You see, Jesus was, was what's known as a rabbi. He was a teacher. And in this, this day, these, these, these Jewish teachers, these rabbis, they didn't just study God and study the Scriptures. They weren't just leaders in their community. They would raise up people to follow them. They would have like a little circle of people that they were influencing. Because they were rabbis, they were teachers. So if you're going to be a teacher, you need someone to teach. So Jesus is a rabbi. He's looking to bring people into his circle. And Matthew, the tax collector, is someone that he invites. This was just turning things on their heads. This didn't make sense. You don't invite people like Matthew. You don't invite tax collectors. But Jesus said, Matthew, follow me. Come join my circle. I wonder if the people looking on, especially the religious people, must have been thinking, whoa, 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 hold on a second. It can't be that easy. You can't simply say, follow me, and that's all there is. I, I think what you should say is something in the lines of, hey, Matthew, if you can stop doing this, then you can follow me. Or Matthew, start doing more of this, then I'll let you follow me. Matthew, do this three times a day for the next few weeks. I'm going to come back. I've got a checklist, and if all the boxes are checked, you can follow me. He doesn't say, Matthew, get yourself in order, change who you are, get everything sorted out, and then follow me. He simply says, Matthew, follow me. And what we're going to discover over the coming weeks, that that maybe our view of Jesus growing up was was a little bit skewed. And and actually, this Jesus was amazing, because we're going to discover that uh, he asked this simple question many times to many different people from many different backgrounds. And no matter your background here this morning, I don't want you to look at how good you've been, how hard you've tried, how many times you've been to church, how much you put in the offering, what shows you don't watch. I want you to simply ask the question this morning, am I following? Am I following Jesus? Because maybe this is all new to you and that's a great question to ask. Maybe you've been a part of a church for a long time and it's still a good question to ask. Because I'm not asking do I go to church? Do I do this? Do I No, am I following Jesus? What does that look like? We're going to figure that out a little bit more over the coming weeks, but let's see what it looked like for Matthew here this morning. In Matthew 9, verse 10, it says that later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I did find this kind of amusing because let's not forget, this is Matthew that wrote this and he doesn't even group himself in with the disreputable sinners. It's like, no, I'm bad, but I'm even worse than the disreputable sinners because there were tax collectors. Oh, and there were some other disreputable sinners, but there were tax collectors and they were pretty bad. So Matthew's painting this crazy picture of this this situation in his house with all these people and Jesus. And I have to wonder if Jesus' followers, they found this to be crazy as well. Like when they saw Jesus stop and talk to Matthew, they had to be thinking, okay, it's kind of weird. Jesus, do you know who this guy is? Wait, he's following us? Oh, this is. We're going to his house? I think they had to be thinking, well, Jesus, it's fine if you want to have him follow us. Bring him from where he is to us. We don't go to him. What if people see us? What if people hear that we're having dinner with tax collectors and disreputable sinners? This was the idea back then. This is still the idea a little bit today, isn't it? But the great thing is this didn't concern Jesus. Because if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read more about Jesus, you start to learn about the people who he spent time with and the people he was around, you start to realize Jesus was actually incredibly comfortable with people who didn't think like him. Jesus was incredibly comfortable around people that were very irreligious, that were tax collectors and, um, what was the word, disreputable sinners. Jesus was very comfortable around them. And if you're here this morning and you didn't grow up going to church, you wouldn't say that your background is a, a religious background. If any of us here at Connect or anyone in church has ever made you feel less than accepted, less than wanted, then I want to apologize, but I want to tell you, that wasn't Jesus, that was us. That was our fault when we did that. Because when I read about Jesus, he was incredibly loving. He was incredibly comfortable around people that didn't look like him or didn't think the way he did. And you know what's amazing? It's not because he didn't know who they were. He knew exactly who they were. He knew exactly why tax collectors weren't, weren't respected, weren't liked. He knew who the, disres- the <laughs> I keep using that word and I keep forgetting it, disreputable sinners were. And yet he still loved them. Scripture tells that he even knew their thoughts. And he still loved them. And he knows you this morning. He knows everything everything about you this morning and he loves and accepts you he knows what you did last summer he knows what you did last spring he knows what you did last weekend you've heard the phrase what happens in vegas stays in vegas he knew he knows what happened in vegas he knows everything about us and yet still he loves and accepts us for who we are and he has this incredible desire that we will follow him that same request he made of Matthew that day, he would make of every one of us today, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you, will you follow my example? Will you follow me in my life? Because there's a relationship that I want you to experience. And the religious people back then, and the truth is, some religious people still today, they had a problem with that. They had a problem with Jesus' desire and um, willingness to, to hang around these kind of people. Listen to Matthew 9, verse 11. It says, When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he eating with those people? I think part of it was a judgment thing, but part of it was just, we don't understand this because he's a rabbi and we're rabbis. He, he's a teacher and, and we're teachers. He worships God. We worship God. Why wouldn't he want to hang out with us? We're like him. He's like us. Why wouldn't he want to hang around with someone that's more like him? They just didn't get it why Jesus would want to spend time with somebody that was so different than Jesus. So Jesus actually gets wind of this this question that they're asking, and he sends a very profound message back. He sends this message back to the Pharisees in verse 12. It says, When Jesus heard this, he said, I'll tell you why. Because healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. You want to know why I'm not hanging around with people like me and people who have figured it all out? It's because healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. So Matthew and his tax collector friends and these other sinners that were gathered, they were probably just as surprised as the Pharisees were that Jesus was hanging out there. And then they hear Jesus send this message back and they must have been kind of excited saying, yeah, yeah, tell the Pharisees to mind their own business. He's, he's hanging out with us. He doesn't want to hang out with them because like he just said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Actually, wait, hold a sec. Wait a second, Jesus, wait. So, so what you're saying is they're healthy and, and we're sick? That's pretty offensive. I, I've just invited you to my house for cheeseburgers and you're saying that I'm, I'm sick? That I'm the one that needs the doctor? I wonder if Jesus kind of just looked at Matthew and was like, Matthew, you're a tax collector. People hate you. You've chosen to do a living that's wrong and people hate you. And Matthew's like, yeah, that's pretty sick. I'm a bit of a mess. His buddy's like, you know what? I'm sick too. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're all sick. High five. You think you're sick? I'm sicker than you. And, and suddenly they all kind of, the realization drops in that, yeah, we are. We're a mess. What could have been conceived as something offensive that Jesus said, they, it was just being real. And I think, in the same way that Jesus would ask us this morning, Will you follow me? One of the biggest obstacles to us saying yes is our refusal to admit that we're pretty sick too. Maybe some of us are here this morning saying, well, no, I'm perfect. I've got my life together. Everything's good. I don't need Jesus. But I wonder if we're being completely honest with ourselves. I wonder if we were more honest with ourselves. We say, you know what? There are some, some things in my life. There, there's some things that aren't working out right. That, that Instagram, Facebook persona that you see, it's, it's not real. That's not who I am. The pictures look like I'm having a great, but there's some stuff going on. There's, my relationship right now is struggling. I've got some financial pressure. I've got some fears, some anxieties. I've been asking some questions that I just can't find the answers to. If I'm honest with myself this morning, I'm sick. I need a doctor. It's the best place that you can find yourself. That acknowledgement of saying my life isn't all put together. And I do need some help because Jesus wants to help you. Jesus wants to be a part of walking alongside you and helping you with some of these situations. But he can only come to those who are willing to admit that they actually do need a doctor. So Jesus didn't stop at just offending the people he was sat with. He sends another message out to offend all the, the Pharisees outside. He says in verse 13, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So here's how that's offended. So the Pharisees, literally, what they do for a living is sit and learn scripture. They study, they memorize, they, they sit around together and debate what this means and this prophecy back then and this, this line that Jesus said, now going on in Scripture, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. That was a quote from a prophet named Hosea that was written hundreds of years before. These guys have probably sat around debating for hours, maybe days, what these specific words meant. And Jesus is like, guys, go learn it because you've obviously not figured it out. I he's mean, like insulting them, saying, if you don't understand why I'm sitting in this room with these people, then you haven't even figured out what these prophets were talking about. Because I have come to call, Jesus is saying, that's why I'm here. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, and notice he says, think they're righteous, because the reality is they're not. None of us are. No, I've come to call those who know they are sinners those who know that they've fallen short, those who know that they need a doctor, those who know that, you know what, my life isn't all put together. And I do need some help. I have come to call those people. And I think there's a lesson for us this morning as as followers of Jesus. You know, some of our friends and our neighbors who don't yet know Jesus... We are the closest they're going to get to, to come to seeing who Jesus is. The closest they're going to get to seeing Jesus is, is him in us. So I hope as a follower of Jesus this morning, you know that it's just as much part of your mission to, to come to call, not those who, who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's our responsibility. That's our call. And I hope that we respond to that call, not like the Pharisees. Their call was change and you can join us. That was the perspective of the Pharisees. If you change, you can join us. Jesus called, join us and you can change. Join us, come as you are and you can change. So I want to conclude this morning by asking a couple of questions to all of us here this morning. But especially to those of you who maybe you're here just kind of checking things out. You're not sure yet what you believe. Because the question I want to ask is, what's stopping you this morning from following Jesus? What are some of the things that might be stopping you from following Jesus? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this first thing that you think you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I couldn't follow Jesus. If you knew me, Dave, if you knew the, the stuff going on in my life, you know I can't follow Jesus. There's no way I'm good enough. Do you know, what? as you read about the life of Jesus, you soon discover that everyone who invited to follow him, every single person that said yes to following Jesus, none of them were good enough. None of them. He asked the most just outlandish people, people who you never would have thought of and said, hey, come follow me. And they knew that they weren't perfect. In fact, the less perfect the person was, the greater their candidacy For becoming a follower of Jesus. And to illustrate this, Jesus starts with Matthew, a despised tax collector. He said, hey, follow me. Maybe one of the reasons that you struggle with the idea of following Jesus isn't just that you're not good enough or that you're not good enough. Maybe it's that you're here this morning, you're saying, I don't believe. I'm not sure I fully even believe all this stuff you're talking about, Dave. I've been coming for a while now with my spouse or my friends and, and I love that they're enjoying it and they're, but I'm just not sure that I'm where they're at. I don't believe a lot of the stuff they believe. You know what, that's okay. You don't need to believe it all to follow Jesus. I, I'll explain why. 2,000 years ago, there was a group of people that followed Jesus, we call them the disciples. They didn't believe half the time. If you read about Jesus, most of the time he was he was challenging them. It was because you it was because of their unbelief. Why do you still not figure this out? Why have you still not figured out who I am? Why are you still trying to work this out? Three years this one guy was with Jesus, and he still struggled with belief. He, he got a nickname for it. His name was Thomas, and he's earned the nickname Doubting Thomas. Because after three years of being with Jesus, he still had questions and he was still trying to figure some things out. You know, maybe you've got some questions here this morning that's preventing you from following Jesus because you're like, well, I can't, if until I can get this question answered, I'm not ready to follow him. There were disciples who followed him who still had questions. Don't let your unbelief stop you from following Jesus. Some of those questions can only be answered in a relationship with him, as you follow him. Or maybe this is your issue. I don't like rules. Maybe your concept of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is, is all these rules you've got to follow. And it's not because you're rebellious, it's because you're honest. And you're like, dude, if you knew me, you'd know there's no way I can do everything that Christians do. I just know me, and I can't follow enough of those rules to be a follower of Jesus. And you've dismissed yourself before you even tried. But let me go back to what I said at the beginning about Jesus coming To build a relationship when he said follow me to Matthew he didn't say follow me and do all these things or do all these things and and then you can follow me." he just said follow me many of you here this morning are married and if you're married here this morning you know that when you got married it wasn't based on a contract that you filled out you didn't sit down together and write the rule book together okay, if this relationship is going to work, we better make sure that these rules are written out ahead of time and we are going to make sure that we follow this rule book. Maybe you went and played golf last week and it was the second or third time you'd played golf in a week. Maybe you went hunting and your spouse is like, hey, 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 pulls out the rule book. We agreed 20 times a year, golf outing. You can't hunt more than this many weeks a year. You broke the rules. You signed right there, buddy. Come on. That's not what relationships look like, is it? relationships are built on love and acceptance but you know what every one of you that's married here this morning could probably say but there are still some rules that i follow do you know why i follow those because i love my spouse i don't want to follow those because for the sake of our marriage i want to demonstrate my love for him or for her by doing this by 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 adhering to this standard not because it's a rule i have to follow but because i want to do it because i love my spouse What you'll find as a follower of Jesus is many of the things that we do as followers of Jesus, we don't do because of their their rules and regulations, and if you don't do these, he's going to think less of you. We do them because we understand he loves us so much. He did so much for us. One of the greatest ways we can show our love to him as we follow Jesus is being more like Jesus, behaving more like Jesus, living more like Jesus. Those aren't rules. That's a a lifestyle that's based on a relationship. So I hope there's nothing that would stop you this morning from following Jesus because we're going to talk more and more over the coming weeks about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. I'm hoping this is something that you'll dig deeper into yourself. As small groups, there are questions available. Uh, you can talk to Andy at the um, welcome desk out there. He can tell you how to get those. There's the Bible app. If you've got that on your phone, you can actually go to a tab there that says events, and you can search local events. You'll see Connect Church and There are questions there and scriptures that we talked about this morning, so you could read through those yourself. You could get together with some friends, kind of start your own little small group. That's absolutely fine. But each week, we're going to have some more discussion that's based on the message this morning, because I want you to go deeper into this idea, because I know I'm probably talking to two groups of people here this morning. I'm talking to a group of people who have yet to make that decision to follow Jesus, And I hope and pray that some of the obstacles that were in the way, we've talked about and tackled this morning. And you would be willing to say this morning, I haven't figured everything out, but I'm willing to be like Matthew and say, okay, I'll at least start to follow you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you would have said, well, Dave, I I am a follower of Jesus. But you've kind of been looking at it as I've been talking, realizing, well, maybe... Much of what makes me a follower of Jesus is is how I behave and what I do, and that's great, but, but what does it look like to follow Jesus in my life? Because here's the amazing thing about Matthew. Matthew wrote this book, so obviously his life changed. And I have to wonder if one day Matthew looked in the mirror and just didn't recognize who he saw anymore. Because after following Jesus for so long, he started to realize that this relationship had changed him that he'd become more like Jesus. This wasn't something he had to work at. This was a very natural thing, that as he followed Jesus, it changed who he was. He became more like him. Jesus wants that from us this morning, but we have to be willing to respond when he says, will you follow me? Will you follow him this morning? Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for everyone who's here this morning, Lord. Lord, As we read this, it it, it almost seems too simple. Just that you went to Matthew and said, follow me. But God, I think we've confused things. We've complicated things. We want to make it harder than it really is. But actually, Jesus, we see you modeling this idea of a relationship that starts very simply with, with following. With someone saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I don't know what that looks like, I don't know what will change, I don't know what this is going to do to my life in the future, but I'm willing to take that first step with you because I recognize, God, that you must have loved me so much that you didn't just write this down and send it as a document for me to read, you sent yourself, your son in the flesh to model it to die on a cross, to rise again, Lord, to to show me what you look like in the flesh, to show me what a relationship with you can be like. So God, I don't want anyone to miss out on that relationship. So give us the courage, Lord, to follow you in every aspect of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.